the 138th crack cast. This one is called Acupuncture Vignettes. I seem to be doing a lot about acupuncture of late. As perhaps the most popular pseudomedicine, there seems to be more published on the topic. I have a lot of internet searches set up to automatically feed me information on various scams. Interestingly, all the chiropractic updates seem to be published on chiropractic economics sites, not on scientific sites. Go figure. There are a hodgepodge of articles, mostly from the scientific literature, that I have read concerning acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. First up, Tooth Fairy Science and the Constitution. Harriet Hall coined the term Tooth Fairy Science, which is, quote, doing research on a phenomenon before establishing that the phenomenon exists. You can measure how much money the tooth fairy leaves under the pillow, whether she leaves more cash for the first or last tooth, whether the payoff is greater if you have a tooth in a plastic baggie versus wrapped in a Kleenex. You can get all kinds of good data that is reproducible and statistically significant. And yes, you have learned something. But you may not have learned what you think you've learned because you haven't bothered to establish whether the tooth fairy really exists. End of quote. Spoiler alert, there's no tooth fairy. The concept encompasses most of pseudomedicine. Much of traditional Chinese medicine is based on concepts divorced from anatomy and physiology and are perfect for tooth fairy science. An example comes from the introduction of the association between yang-deficient constitution and clinical outcome of highly active antiretroviral therapy on people living with HIV. Before you listen any further, spit-take warning. If you're drinking, swallow, so liquid does not squirt out your nose. Quote, More evidence is emerging that much of the wisdom of traditional medicine can in fact be explained at genomics level. Recently, HLA class 2 polymorphisms were found associated with the physiologic characteristics defined by traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. In TCM, constitution is believed to be a distinct characteristic of an individual. Constitution has been used as a guide to prevention, healthcare, and medical practice. Yang deficient constitution is one of the major constitution, which is characterized by chills, cold limbs, and also spontaneous sweating, as opposed to those of us who do it under mental control, loose stools, and or profuse clear urine and lassitude. So they decide to, quote, systematically investigate whether there is any association between yang-deficient constitution and complications incurred from HIV infection and design evidence-based treatment. We conducted a prospective observational study for evaluating the association between yang-deficient constitution and clinical outcomes. So what they did was on a scale of 1 to 5, they asked HIV patients the following questions to see if they were yang-deficient. Do you feel cold at your limbs? Are you sensitive to cold at stomach, back, waist, or laps? Are you unusually sensitive to cold weather and dress more than others? Are you sensitive to cold air? such as outside of winter, air conditioning, or electric fan? Do you have flu or cold-like symptoms more frequently or easily than others? Do you feel uncomfortable or worried for cold water or foods? Do you have pulpy bowel after cold water or foods? 
what you can conclude is that the Yang deficiency state is batshit crazy. I've taken care of AIDS patients since the beginning of the epidemic, and I cannot imagine how those questions could be relevant in any way to HIV, its treatment, or complications. Then they collected a ton of data, ran it through the old p-value machine, and found some barely significant results. They concluded, quote, Yang deficient constitution score has the potential to be developed as a predictor for early HIV-related mortality and side effects. The interrelation and underlying mechanism should be further investigated, it shouldn't, for evidence-based design of a more appropriate treatment strategy. Then, they go so far as to suggest it is the mitochondria. Medication toxicity in HIV is sometimes due to mitochondrial toxicity. Mitochondria are important for energy. Yang deficiency syndrome patients have weaker imbalanced energy. Therefore, quote, Yang deficient constitution is susceptible to mitochondrial toxicity is worth further investigation, end of quote. Really? I mean, mitochondria generate energy by way of ATP. How that would lead to, I don't know, pulpy bowels after cold water? This is ridiculous. At least they didn't blame quantum mechanics. I keep going back to why most of the medical literature is wrong. And there are at least three reasons, besides thinking the idea that Yang-deficient constitution is valid, that the conclusions of this study is false. Lots of tested relationships, great flexibility in design, and a bias on the part of the researchers. But I guess they did not read the Ionides paper. Few in the pseudo-medical world seem to. Data mining garbage does not lead to diamonds. This is tooth fairy science at its most pure. And it's supported by the Chinese government and the Stanley Ho Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases. Good money thrown away. Look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing besides remains around the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. The lone and level sands stretch far away. Acupuncture beer goggles. In most studies, sham acupuncture is no better than real acupuncture for relief of pain. The classical interpretation is that if an intervention is no different than placebo, the intervention does not work. But there is always the issue that sham and real whatever are better at relieving pain than doing nothing. So goes the thinking. The efficacy of acupuncture comes from the power of placebo. I have in the past referred to pseudo-medical therapies as beer goggles. They do not change reality, just the perception of reality. Now, changing perception of disease is an important result of an interaction with the patient. I attempt it all the time. Although, unlike pseudo-medical providers, I try and do it truthfully and within the bounds of reality. Little did I realize that there is a medical term for beer goggles. In the case of acupuncture, it's tactile discrimination training. It is when, quote, stimulation of some form is applied to a painful area and the patient is asked to decide on the locality or type of stimulation, an approach which has been shown to be effective in the management of certain chronic pain problems, end of quote. In this study, they decided to compare acupuncture to acupuncture used as tactile discrimination training in chronic low back pain. The protocol, which is important, was as follows, quote, after locating the points, the 14 needles were inserted. 
In the experimental condition, participants participated, as participants will do, in a sensory discrimination training task similar to that described by Mosley et al. A picture of a back with the position of each needle numbered was positioned so that it could be comfortably viewed by the participant. The clinician then rotated a single needle in accordance with a random number sequence, and the participant was required to nominate which needle was being simulated. If the participant committed an error, they were told which point had in fact been stimulated. Each needle was stimulated for three seconds with a 10 second interval between each stimulus. This task was performed with visualization of the back via a mirror in the first 10 minutes and progressed to no visualization in the last 10 minutes. In the control condition, participants were asked to lay comfortably and relaxed and to not attend to the needles. During the 20-minute control condition, the therapist manipulated the needles at the same rate and used the same random sequence as they did in the experimental condition, unquote. Of note, both were done by the same person, an acupuncturists. And the only difference between the acupuncture and the tactile discrimination was, quote, participants responded to each needle manipulation by trying to localize the position of the needles being manipulated, end of quote. And interestingly, the tactile discrimination acupuncture outperformed acupuncture for pain reduction. I think this helps explain why sham acupuncture and real acupuncture has the same effect, why acupuncture does not depend upon where the needles are placed or even if needles are used. It is a form of tactile discrimination training, aka beer goggles. Perception is altered, but not underlying pathology. Next up is Blind Men and the Elephant in the Room. There was a recent PLOS article, Decreased Risk of Stroke in Patients with Traumatic Brain Injury Receiving Acupuncture Treatment, a population-based retrospective cohort study. It was a study where they looked at 7,000 stroke patients receiving acupuncture and 29,000 patients who did not receive acupuncture over eight years. And it found that, quote, Patients with acupuncture treatment had a lower incidence of stroke compared to those without acupuncture treatment after adjustment for sociodemographics, coexisting medical conditions, and medications. Interesting result. So why did they do the study? Well, in Taiwan, acupuncture is a common treatment, and no one had ever looked to see if it could prevent stroke. So it's a tough job, but someone had to do it. Retrospective studies are always interesting, but not definitive, since there may be differences between the treatment and the control that could potentially be avoided in a prospective randomized trial. So were there differences in the two groups? Yes. The acupuncture group was more likely to be on anticoagulants, antiplatelet drugs, and lipid-lowering agents, all at p-values less than 0.001. Seriously. The treatment group was more likely to be on stroke-preventing medications, yet it was the acupuncture that was responsible for fewer strokes because the statistics suggested it. Quote, to properly evaluate whether acupuncture treatment is associated with reduced stroke risk, we use a propensity score to match difference of age, sex, low income, and density of TCM physicians, mental disorders, hypertension, diabetes, ischemic heart disease, hyperlipidemia, migraine, and epilepsy between patients with and without acupuncture treatment. To accurately estimate the risk of stroke for patients with and without acupuncture treatment, residual co-founding effects were adjusted in the multivariable Cox proportional hazard models. Yep, seems so. 
they had two possible explanations for the effect of acupuncture. The first was that acupuncture had biologic effects to prevent stroke. I would bet against it. There was no plausible reason why sticking needles in the skin could prevent a stroke. The other was that the patients in the acupuncture group got better care. You think? Quote, Patients who choose acupuncture treatment may have better knowledge, attitudes, and practices regarding physical rehabilitation and disease prevention, which we believe could also contribute to reduction in new-onset stroke events. You think? Given that the acupuncture patients were more likely to be on medical therapy that prevents strokes, that seems like a more plausible answer to me. It wasn't the acupuncture, it was the medications. When I first read the article and looked at the table that demonstrated the marked difference in medications in the two groups, I could not believe it. I read the article over and over thinking, no, that couldn't be it. I could not understand how anyone could be blind to what appears to be a simple explanation for the difference between the two groups. This has to be one of the most impressive examples of confirmation bias I have ever seen. Electroacupuncture is not acupuncture. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means what I choose it to mean, nothing more or nothing less. The question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be the master? That's all. In my feeds, I keep seeing variations on a theme. Acupuncture treats sepsis. As an infectious disease doc, it tweaked my entrance at sepsis particularly severe sepsis, is a disease that I routinely treat and routinely kills patients. So, what was this amazing study? Dopamine mediates vagal modulation of the immune system by electroacupuncture. First, the study was in mice. Second, the reasoning was as follows. Many of the symptoms of sepsis are due to inflammation mediated by cytokines, stimulating the vagus nerve, the 10th nerve, decreases the inflammatory response in a variety of other illnesses. It is hard to stimulate the vagus nerve directly since it is deep in the neck and chest. So, quote, we hypothesize that electroacupuncture can be an alternative strategy for vagal stimulation. The key word here is electroacupuncture. Recently, they excavated a 2,000-year-old tomb in China, and what they found was, in a word, incredible. First, there was a set of acupuncture needles. But more amazing was a set of dead AA batteries in a mechanical dragon that had evidently rolled across the floor while playing cymbals. It strongly suggests that the ancient Chinese used electroacupuncture. So, they stuck a needle at the ST36 Zusanli point of mice, which is in the leg, below the knee. Who knew that mice and humans had the same meridians and acupoints? Then they cranked in some voltage and measured various cytokines and other inflammatory mediators under various conditions to see what happens. And the results were interesting. The electroacupuncture-treated mice had decreased mortality by, quote, an anti-inflammatory mechanism mediated by the sciatic and vagus nerve, which modulates the production of catecholamines in the adrenal glands. Huh. But here are some key discoveries from the paper. The anti-inflammatory effects of acupuncture are voltage-dependent. And direct electrical stimulation of the vagus nerve mimic the production of dopamine and norepinephrine induced by electroacupuncture. And 
direct electrical stimulation of the sciatic nerve mimic the anti-inflammatory effects of electroacupuncture in a voltage-dependent manner. They did not use a random peripheral site to apply voltage or another acupuncture point as control. As best I can tell, this study had nothing to do with acupuncture. What they demonstrated was electrical stimulation of peripheral nerves, or directly of the vagus nerve, had anti-inflammatory effects. The specific acupuncture point was, well, pointless. This is the kind of study that drives me nuts. You could remove all the references to acupuncture and the results would be just as applicable. I suppose it would then lack the sexiness that acupuncture adds. Without acupuncture as a hook, I wonder if it would have been published in Nature Medicine or get the notice that it did. And while interesting, given all the monitors on a patient in the ICU with sepsis, I cannot see any clinical utility until some clever researcher figures out a way to give the electricity without messing all my monitors. Next up is acupuncture and erectile dysfunction. Harvard Medical School has Harvard Health Publications. Their editor-in-chief, a Dr. Anthony Korakoff, has a column called Ask Dr. K. In the recent issue, they ask him, is acupuncture an effective treatment for erectile dysfunction? Dr. K's response suggests that being from Harvard is not a preventative for getting almost everything about acupuncture wrong. Quote, One non-drug treatment used for ED is acupuncture, the ancient Chinese practice in which a practitioner inserts hair-thin needles into specific sites along the body's meridians. According to traditional beliefs, the body's key, or vital force, flows along these meridians. By stimulating specific acupoints, the practitioner aims to restore proper flow of energy in the body. Dr. K fails to mention that this is a pre-scientific concept with zero basis in reality. There are no meridians, there are no acupoints, and there is no sort of life energy. It is nonsense. And which acupuncture does he advise as real acupuncture? Chinese, Japanese, hand, foot, tongue, ear, German maps. Quote, in treating ED, acupuncture needles are placed in the wall of the abdomen. Of course they are. I would be more curious as to why no acupuncture map has ever shown meridians and acupoints in the genitals. You would think that the life force would be in the life-generating organs. I know why. If you're a male and you're making stuff up, the last thing you want to do is stick needles in the genitals. And certainly, putting needles in the genitalia would not help erectile dysfunction. Quote, Western scientists have a different explanation. I have always found the phrase Western scientist at best patronizing and at worst perhaps racist, but that is just me. There is one science. It is used by humans all over the world. And to judge from output for the last decade, those Eastern scientists are kicking our research butt. Quote, they speculate that needles stimulate the release of endorphins, the body's natural painkillers. Other theories claim the needles release neurotransmitters, chemicals that carry messages between nerve endings. Let's see. You stick needles in someone, and you twist them, and you get a pain response. And in response to a noxious stimulus, neurotransmitters are made. Well, who'd have thought that would happen? And water, by the way, is wet. And how would that have any effect on the panoply of diseases that acupuncture is supposed to help, from ED to fertility to herniated discs? Hint, it doesn't. Quote, 
Unfortunately, there hasn't been enough good research to determine if acupuncture is useful for erectile dysfunction. Why unfortunately? Given prior plausibility, why waste time and money on a useless therapy? But he is right. From a recent meta-analysis of acupuncture and erectile dysfunction, quote, most investigations had methodologic flaws, inadequate study design, poor reporting of results, small sample size, and publication without appropriate peer review process. Quel surprise. Dr. K continues, there are more studies of acupuncture as a treatment for chronic pain. Some scientists point to studies that compare acupuncture to sham acupuncture in which the needles are deliberately not placed properly. Such studies sometimes find that both sham and real acupuncture relieve pain. This suggests to them that acupuncture may work by causing a placebo effect. No, this suggests that acupuncture does nothing. If real acupuncture has the same effects as twirling toothpicks, safe to say it's not effective. Or to use the same justification for continuing the use of internal mammary ligation for angina. And if he is suggesting placebo medicine, well, that's usually considered unethical. Quote, whether this is true or not, what matters to patients is that their condition has been improved. Some of my patients have had good relief of their pain. It doesn't matter that the costly treatment you are suggesting is not based in reality and has no clinical efficacy in well-designed trials. A classic example of why I say the three most dangerous words in medicine are, in my experience. Quote, as for acupuncture to treat erectile dysfunction, if you'd like to give it a try, go ahead. Be sure to seek out an experienced acupuncturist. And remember that it can be time-consuming and expensive. But in experienced hands, it is safe. There's no reason whatsoever in the discussion to suggest it would have any efficacy, but use it anyway, despite the cost. And those experienced hands? Well... Yet another photo in this article of someone doing acupuncture without gloves, bare fingers poking around the needle site. Acupuncture is not safe in any hands, experienced or otherwise. And in a recent review, quote, 468 patient safety incidents were identified. Adverse effects included retained needles, 31%. Dizziness. Loss of consciousness, falls, bruising, pneumothorax. The majority, however, of these incidents were categorized as low or no harm. Though I would not think a, a retained needle would be low harm. And this did not include the numerous reports of infection from sloppy infection prevention technique that defines acupuncture. Let's see. No reason it should be effective for erectile dysfunction. No clinical trials to suggest efficacy. It has complications and cost. And in my experience, it works occasionally for pain. So let's try it for ED. Well, I am not impressed with the advice. Ask Dr. K? Eh, maybe not so much if it concerns acupuncture. Combinations. Pseudomedicines combine and recombine in a continual fantastical dance. Pick any two alternative interventions, and someone somewhere has combined them into a unique modality my favorite, perhaps, is Tong Ren, a voodoo form of acupuncture. I had thought, perhaps incorrectly, that no one could come up with a more ludicrous combination. Perhaps it would be dark energy homeopathy or dark matter acupuncture. I suppose it would be just a matter of time before someone combined some pseudo-medical modality with the time cube 
and their nonsense will reign supreme. Until then, it is the more mundane combinations. There is the idea that as long as you are sticking needles in people, you might as well add other substances to the needle and drag them into the skin. It's called mesotherapy. Like much of pseudomedicine, the concept does not entail the concept of germ theory, which is just a theory after all. There now have been 35 reports of odd infections associated with mesotherapy, often atypical mycobacteria. And there is also bee venom acupuncture. Quote, bee venom acupuncture is growing in popularity, especially in Korea, where it is primarily for pain relief and many kinds of diseases as an alternative medical treatment. And in a new report, bee venom acupuncture is also associated with odd infections. We report three cases of Mycobacterium chelonii infections after bee venom acupuncture. All were treated with antibiotics and surgery. A common organism in the environment and water, Mycobacterium chelonii, is not an uncommon cause of soft tissue infections when simple infection control interventions are ignored. The authors finish with inadvertent whimsy. Considering the increasing use of bee venom therapy and considerable morbidity of NTM infection, prevention effort of infections are needed through strict adherence to infection control principles, <laughs> including sterilization of venom extraction, purification process, injection equipment, and environment. Strict adherence? Laugh out loud. I would be happy if they just used gloves. Acupuncture as gamma hydroxybutyrate. An interesting headline. 80-year-old man paralyzes woman with acupuncture, molests them. Quote, CO is also accused of taking off A's panties and molesting her after paralyzing her with acupuncture needles in the foot. He got access to A after promising to treat her uterus. Another victim, a 22-year-old employee, was also molested after receiving paralyzing acupuncture. As one commenter said, quote, I thought paralysis acupuncture was only possible in movies, end of quote. You are correct, sir. There is no way acupuncture could cause paralysis. It cannot and does not do anything. But what may have happened? I lack information in this particular case, but I have seen patients with hysterical paralysis and hysterical blindness, also known as conversion disorder. Neither had a physiologic cause of their problem, but they could not walk and could not see. I have seen a patient with a melanoma the size of a large button mushroom and another with an erosive tumor on his abdomen the size of a dinner plate. Both completely denied anything was wrong. It was hard to believe these patients were unaware of the problem. I have been amazed over the years as to what people can do given the right situation. I wonder what kind of social expectations allowed the acupuncturist to convince their victims that they were paralyzed. I don't know, some odd combination of male dominance, conversion disorder, Stockholm Syndrome, I don't know. If indeed the event occurred as written. Given the ability of most news outlets to even remotely accurately report pseudomedicines, I am a touch skeptical that the events occurred as reported. It is more interesting, if true, about a male you that allows a predator to use a worthless pseudomedicine as a weapon of abuse. And that ends this 138th QuackCast. Feel free to go to edgydoc.com to find links to my growing multimedia empire. And of course, as always, go to the Society for Science-Based Medicine, sfsbm.org, 
and check us out. Thanks. Bye.